0: Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Joshua Oliver from the Comment and Analysis Desk. Will a data breach expose millions of your customers to identity theft? Is your firm prepared for a cyber attack that locks down your computers? Faced with these questions, many managers are seeking cyber insurance to protect their companies from digital threats. Insurance firms are keen to compete in this growing market, but they are also struggling to assess these new and unpredictable risks. The FT's insurance correspondent, Oliver Ralph, reports. U.S. drugmaker Merck was hit by a massive cyberattack on June 27th last year. Manufacturing, research, and sales operations around the world were all gummed up. At one point, the company had to borrow supplies of a vaccine for the human papillomavirus from a U.S. government stockpile in order to meet demand. The after effects of the incident lasted for months. The company lost $260 million of sales last year and incurred $320 million in costs for additional marketing and production. Merck says it will lose another $200 million of sales this year because of the attack. The good news for Merck is that it will not have to pick up the full bill because of the insurance policy it had taken out before the attack. The company has already received $45 million from its insurers, and Verisk PCS, an analytics group, thinks the final total could be much higher potentially up to $275 million. CyberCover has become one of the fastest-growing parts of the global insurance industry. Attacks such as NotPetya, which hit Merck, along with WannaCry and individual incidents such as the huge data loss at Equifax reported last September, have brought home to companies the potential costs of a cyber attack. They are responding by buying insurance in ever-greater numbers. That demand has been met with a mixture of delight and fear in the insurance world. Delight because cyber offers the potential for growth, unlike most other parts of the global specialist insurance industry where demand has been static for years. And fear because cyber insurance is so difficult to price. Like many of their clients, the insurers are struggling to assess the causes and consequences of large-scale cyber attacks and to predict where the next one might come from or how big it will be. Christian Momenteiler... Chief Executive of Swiss Re, one of the world's largest reinsurance companies, in an interview late last year said, it doesn't give me a warm and fuzzy feeling. Stephen Hester, Chief Executive of UK-based RSA, has similar views, saying, we have mixed feelings about cyber insurance. Our job is to protect clients from things they are worried about, but it is incredibly unpredictable. One executive goes even further. He says the system of annual policies is ill-suited to a risk that changes so quickly. He predicts that cyber insurance is a disaster waiting to happen for those who do not fully understand what is at stake. Plenty of insurers have exposure to cyber risks. Some of the industry's biggest names, including Chubb, AIG and Beasley, have been selling cyber insurance for years because a variety of state-based regulations on data breaches have spurred take-up in the US but more insurers have recently jumped in. According to Chubb, there were 17 insurers selling CyberCover in 2007, generating $350 million of premiums a year. There are now 65 of them, selling a total of $3.5 billion of insurance a year. Analysts at Morgan Stanley forecast that the market will be worth $8-10 billion dollars by 2020. Not all of the newcomers have a lot of experience. Dan Truman, head of cyber at Axis, says there's a huge amount of naive capacity coming into the market that doesn't have the expertise to lead the transfer of risk. Rating agencies are also concerned. A report last year from Fitch warned about so-called naive capacity, saying that individual insurers that lack underwriting expertise are most vulnerable to underwriting losses tied to cyber risks that contribute towards ratings downgrades. The result is that people with cyber underwriting experience are in hot demand. Gareth Eggle, head of insurance at recruitment firm Flint Hyde, says there's a double handful of really good, qualified cyber underwriters in the London market. A bigger proportion of underwriters will earn a lot of money in cyber than in other areas because of the dearth of talent. Some insurers are looking beyond the existing talent pool, hiring expertise from the cyber security and technology industries and from the public sector, as they look to gain an edge over the competition and, just as importantly, protect their own balance sheets. The sort of risk models that exist for other types of cover have not yet been fully developed in the cyber sector. When insurers assess the risk of, say, a hurricane hitting Florida, they can rely on an array of well-developed models that have been finely honed over many years. That is not the case in cyber. Trevor Maynard, head of innovation at Lloyds, the London-based insurance market, says, it is very difficult to model cyber. We have very few major events to give us data points, so models have to be built using secondary and proxy data. Elliot Byrne, the vice president of Verisk ISO, an information provider, says one of the problems is the rapidly changing nature of the risk. He told a recent conference at Lloyd's, the bad guys are always figuring out new ways to get in, and new ways to try to make money. Companies' employees make the situation even less predictable. Robert Hannigan, a former director of the UK's GCHQ, who now works for Blue Voyant, a threat intelligence company, and advises insurer Hiscox, says, so much of cyber is about culture, which is difficult to assess. Most cyber attacks get through via poor behaviour from employees rather than the technology. Insurers have two big fears about cyber. The first is the risk of a massive attack that affects a large number of their clients at once. In the industry's jargon, This is called aggregation risk. Mr Hannigan says cracking the aggregation risk is the holy grail for insurers, and it is really hard to calculate. Last year, Lloyds and Guidewire Science, a risk modelling firm, tried to assess the financial impact of a big cyber attack. They modelled a hack that took down a big cloud services provider, which could cause losses of between 15 and $121 billion as the provider and their clients lose business and incur extra costs. They also looked at an attack on an operating system used by a number of large companies. That will cause average losses of $29 billion across the various scenarios that were modelled. Not all insurers are taking the aggregation risk into account, though. John Merchant, Director of Business Development at Science, says The market is pricing for individual loss, not for a catastrophic loss or an aggregation event. Some insurers believe the industry on its own would struggle to cope with the cost of a mass cyber attack affecting many large companies. Mr Momentealer argued that governments need to provide a backstop for cyber incidents, much as they already do for terror attacks. The other threat worrying insurers is known as silent or non-affirmative cyber risk. This is where they might be exposed to the costs of cyber attacks, not through specific cyber policies, but through other insurance policies where cyber is not specifically excluded. One example, according to insurance brokerage Willis Towers Watson, is a cyber attack on an industrial plant's control system that causes a boiler explosion and property damage, which would lead to a claim on a property policy. Mr. Merchant says non affirmative cyber risk comes into place with everything from an all risk property policy to a professional liability policy. When it comes to disputes over whether cyber is covered by a non-cyber policy, Mr Merchant says, in the US, the courts are erring on the side of the insured, not the insurer. Regulators are also worried about silent cyber. Last year, the UK's Prudential Regulation Authority told insurers to reduce their unintended exposure to cyber risks and to be clear about whether cyber attacks are covered in regular policies. Despite all the fretting, cyber cover has not, so far, been a very costly product for insurers. Last year's WannaCry attack, for example, reminded companies about the cyber threats they face, but created few large claims. That was partly because most of the companies that were hit were located in parts of the world where cyber insurance is not widespread, and partly because the attackers demanded small sums of money from each company. Mr Merchant says that the profitability of cyber for insurers has been great. According to RMS, a modelling firm, the loss ratio, a measure of losses as a proportion of premiums, in cyber insurance was 55% in 2016. That is no worse than other specialist commercial insurance markets. Christina Turplan, a partner at law firm Clyde & Co., says, It is a high-frequency claim scenario, but the vast majority are low-value. They are within the policy excess. Many companies might have what they think might be a data breach, for example, from a stolen laptop, but it turns out to be a non-event. That will not be the case forever. Mr Hannigan says there's been a big rise in ransomware attacks in the past 10 years. A lot of insurance companies are getting a steadily rising number of claims as the amount that attackers ask for is rising. If people realise who they've hit, they'll put the cost up. Insurers are taking steps to protect themselves from huge claims. First, they are imposing strict limits on the amount of coverage they will offer, and so the amount they will have to pay out. Sarah Stevens, head of cyber at brokerage JLT, says it can be difficult to find the limits that clients want. The markets are inundated. Where we see insurers going beyond normal limits is where the client is willing to show the insurers exactly what the risks are and provide them with a lot of information, she adds. That information helps the insurers to improve their modelling. Michael Tannenbaum, an executive vice president at Insura Chubb, says we ask what a supply chain breach looks like. We look at which of our clients are using particular software as a service or infrastructure as a service. We look at the connective tissue of our clients. Insurers are also limiting the breadth of what they offer. Anthony D'Agostino, global head of cyber risk at Willis Towers Watson, says a couple of insurers will provide some cover for reputational risk, but generally it is not really there. There is not enough precedent to really quantify reputational harm. Some insurers are also buying more reinsurance, passing a slice of the risk on to other, larger insurance companies. And they are tightening up their policy documents, excluding cyber attacks from non cyber policies. Ms. Turplan says the attacks are constantly evolving, so you are seeing insurers revising the contracts and services pretty regularly. They are trying to write silent cyber out. That is creating some tension with clients, though, who are growing frustrated at the changes to the coverage. Ms Stevens says, One client complaint is that there is no clarity around the exclusions, although she adds that weak pricing in the specialist insurance markets is limiting insurers' ability to cut out silent cyber risk, saying, In a hard market, you would see a lot more cyber exclusions in non-cyber policies. That leaves insurance companies trying to find a balance between creating a product that their clients want and will pay for and limiting their own exposure to a risk that is not well understood. Mr. Hanneken says, There are people who understand the risks and people who don't. Somebody's going to get caught out in the end. Thank you for listening to the FT Big Read. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on all the usual apps.